0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. For the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at what on earth am I here for? You might call it this, living your calling. Now, you can follow that guide on your seat as best you can. I'm going to give you the eight headings. And if we get 20 minutes through and you go, I've got four headings, how long are we going to be here for? we're going to be right on time, so you don't need to worry. I've already worked out the rhythm of what we want to focus on, so we will get through the eight headings in the time allotted. Living your calling. You and I have, I don't know, 20-odd thousand or more um, days on average to live this life. If we live to a 70-plus, you know, I think it's somewhere there. And, um, uh, and the reality is we want to take just 40 of them, and not even days, but tiny portions of the day, to invest in you and I thinking about what on earth we're here for and living out our curling on earth. 40 days, six Sundays, six Connect groups, and 40 daily readings. Uh, and so that's the, that's the way to come to it. I love this Bible verse. Let me read it to you as we set this up. It's, a, it's an often quoted Bible verse in many parts of the church. It's probably not one we quote as much around here, but some of you will know it. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know, we know, Ah, how I hope that by the end of this you know to the core of your being this. And we know that in all things, that in all things, in every single thing that happens across life, God works for the good. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And we know that in all things God works... For the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I love this verse, don't you? It's that God works out all things for good. Uh, and we'll just start there as we set this up. You know, think about it. Think about the hardest times in your life. The hardest day of my life that I've ever lived, I was seven years old. And to this day, I can picture the car driving off. My dad was, and mum were um, separating. I was seven years old year two, uh, in a house that no longer exists because they teared it down to build a freeway. And uh, I came out to my dad's car. Does anyone remember the old school? I don't know, do they still do them? It's primary school, you could buy a Father's Day present. Like, where to buy the world's worst Father's Day presents? And you could buy them at school every year. Now you can buy them in the $2 shop. Um, but, and I had this tie rack. And, and I went out, I said, Dad, Dad, don't forget your tie rack. And my dad says to me, I'll be back for it. And I didn't see him for two years. That was the hardest day of my life. To this day, if I see the car that he was in that day when he made that statement, to this day, 41 years later, tears will fill my eyes. And the Bible says that God works even those moments out for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I think that's an incredible thought. And what's incredible is if you go back to that time, that's when my mum who grew up in church went back to church and dragged us along with her. And from, the, from, from about 8 to 10 or 8 to 11, we went to church. And I went to church and I got sincerely um, uh, impacted by the word of God and made a decision to follow Jesus, got baptised in water. And then I'd come home and I'd go to school and my brothers would say, just swear, Daz. Just swear one time. And I go, I'm not swearing. I'm a follower of Jesus. And some, some of us are in the room today and we're 48 years old and we're still swearing. But I was, I was 10. I was 10. I went, No, I'm going to follow Jesus. And they would torment me, try and get me to swear. And you know, that little period of life, probably the worst or definitely the worst little patch of my life, God took the opportunity to sow good things into my future, into the futures of my brother. To the point where now one of my brother's sons is sitting here. We just heard about our, our youth group with seventeen new kids there on Friday. Many of the kids of those kids don't know Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And not only did it God used that time to impact my mom and then ripple effect to me and then my brother after me down to his son who's sitting here today and I was just holding his baby, the next generation. That's how good God is. That's what God does. For God works out all things together for good no matter what they are, no matter what our story, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose as we turn to him and as we surrender to him and as we follow after him. God is able to work out even the things that seem impossible powerfully for our good. It's what he wants to do in your life, That's what he wants to do in my life. And so then it goes on and it says, not only that, it says who, are, who have been called according to his purpose, and I like this, who have been called according to his purpose, call and purpose, they go to together, God has called you and he's called me and some of us he's still calling us and, and, and wants to call us in, in our lives. And, and I don't know if you got a call from God. Look at that. It's ringing right now. Incredible. The one time I don't want my phone to be on silent. And uh, anyway, the call from God. If, 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 um, if you got a call from God, would you take it? Or would you hit divert? What, what would you do with that call if God called you right now? Well, the reality is that God already has. That's what He's already done. He's already called you. He's already called me. And, and what He's looking for us is to, to pick up on that and go, hey, I'm just let me respond to God, called and purpose. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 might come on the screen behind me. The Apostle Paul is thought to have written this, and he says this, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, His prisoner, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, that saving grace, that enabling grace that Dan talked about. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And, wow, we'd like to be able to go to the thought before the beginning of time, but but we haven't got time today. He has saved us and called us, saved and called. The, the believer in Jesus, the follower of Jesus, uh, is not only what, the, what, what Christians call saved, or the Bible as well calls saved, it's when a, saved is when a person puts their trust in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. His death on the cross for the sins of the world, when a person does that, when they put their trust in what he's done to pay the penalty of their sin, we think of that as saved but we are saved and called. And, and, and God has called you and God is calling you and God has called me and God is calling me. And I've, to me, it's the most amazing thought on planet Earth that God would choose not only to save me from my sins, but call me to his purpose, that you and I were born and wired and gifted and graced for a purpose that God had foreordained before the foundation of the Earth was laid. That is an incredible, incredible thought to me. It's not about just giving up sin. It's about taking up cause. Don't you like that thought? It's taking the very best of our energy, gifts, our resources, and using them in the service of Jesus, in the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He does this for His own purpose and grace, the Bible says. And so this is why we're doing 40 days. What on earth am I here for? And I'm hoping that you can. Answer that question a little more clearly at the end of 40 days. This, this is what God does. It's, a, it's the story of the Bible. Is God calling people after himself and into his service? It is since the time of Abraham and, and, and his sons and Moses, God has been calling people into his service, um, the, the great warrior Deborah or Deborah, um, uh, the, the king's soul and David and the prophet Solomon, and all right through history, Ruth and others and Esther. Uh, those who would be called according to his purpose. In the New Testament, you know, Mary and Paul and Peter. Uh, and, and, and what about the Apostle Paul? You know, the one-time terrorist. Really, that's what he would be in a modern-day context. We'd call him a terrorist. The one-time terrorist who becomes the author and writer of most of the New Testament because God was calling him in his grace and for his purpose. And God is calling you and he's calling me for his grace and for his purpose. There is a God-appointed calling upon our lives. It's upon my life, but more importantly, it's upon your life. Listen to this, John chapter 18 and verse 37. Jesus is speaking to um, Pontius Pilate. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause, I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness, witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I like that. For this cause, I was born, and for this cause, I have come. That beats uh, beats on the inside of me. I hope it does you. I pray that that's what might happen in some of our lives across this 40 days. For this cause, you were born, and for this cause, you have come. Whether you're 16, 17, 18, whether you're 68 or 78, it doesn't really matter. For his cause, you and I were born and for his cause, we have come. For his cause, we've been gifted and and God has called us to himself that we might live for him fully in this life in Jesus' name. So today I want to introduce a subject. I want to give you uh, an overview and eight things it's important to know about our calling in life. So here they are, number one. My calling, your calling. My calling is a gift from God. It's a gift. Uh, I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't work for it. I don't bargain for it. I don't barter for it. It's just a flat-out gift of His grace, and, uh, and it's perfectly fitted for who you are and for who I am. Have you ever had a gift that you like, it was just bitterly disappointing? Again, when we were little, because my mum was mainly broke, I remember, you know, we we would prep ourselves Christmas time. My brothers and I were young, but we'd make sure we were excited whatever happened. And one year, my brother, he was desperate to get a boogie board. And because my mum didn't have much, uh, she bought him a boogie board, but it was, you know, it was the cheapest boogie board money can buy. So as you do over Christmas, we head down to the beach at Wollongong, and my brother sends his little boogie board out to sea, never to be seen again. My mum asked him later, what happened to the boogie board, Mark? He said, oh, mum, I loved it. I took it out, you know, to have a go and it just got away from me and I don't know what, where it is. It's not that kind of gift. It's the kind of gift that he places in our lives and on our life that's perfectly fitted by the, the designer and the creator of all things, is well able. I was driving along back to home from the prayer meeting here this morning along Kalala Lane and the horses were in the glass. The it looked like I felt like I was on the coast. It's so green. It's incredible. Are you amazed like me at how green it is? And these big, strong horses in the paddock. And I said to Brian, how crazy is God that he says, right, that big, strong animal can get big and strong off grass? Grass. Do they eat anything else? Like naturally, do they? No, they don't, right? You can tell I'm a country boy, right? They they eat grass. How amazing is God? What an incredible designer. Aren't you thankful that they don't need to eat you and eat me? They eat grass. I'm much happier about the fact that crocs might eat me, but not a horse because there's a few of them around. Aren't you glad that cattle don't eat you, that sheep don't eat you? You're glad you came for the message just for that piece of incredible information today. I can't even remember what I was telling you Perfectly gifted, for what God's called You didn't design it, we didn't... But we do discover it, we do steward it, and, and we are to come humble in it. You know, if you've got one of those gifts like, I love these guys. People could think that our musicians are show off. I tell you, they work so hard, and they are so passionate. Um, the energy they bring, I feel like they're... I'm like, yep, yeah, when I get to heaven and worship Jesus there, I want to worship more like these guys than, you know, whatever. Um... But they're so passionate, they bring all of their gifts. They... In footy, um, uh, those of us who play footy, or used to play footy, you will know the term, leave everything out on the field. And, and it's the idea that everything's spent. And you know, that guy who doesn't leave everything out on the field, who knows, he is not popular back in the dressing room, Right? Like, you need to leave everything out on the field. And, and, and it's this idea here, like, we don't design it, we don't deserve it, we didn't create it, we don't get to do anything except we do get to discover it and we do get to steward the great grace and the gift and then we need to be and get to be humble in it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 12 say this, "'Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor for me his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering of the gospel.'" According to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of his son, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which, listen to what he says next, I was appointed, Paul was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed in and persuaded that he is able to keep, that, uh, keep what I have committed to him until that day. He was appointed a preacher Uh, and an apostle, and a teacher, it goes on to say, and upon your life and mine is grace and purpose. It's a God thing. Number two, I'm called for God's purpose. He didn't just give it, we are called for it. Ephesians 2, verse 10 in the Bible, for we are God's workmanship. We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Aren't you glad that you are His workmanship? I don't know if they still do it. In year 10, we made a toolbox. Anyone else make a toolbox at school? And I remember bringing it home and my uncle saw it. And he said, what is that? And who made it? And it became like a family joke for years. It was a shame when it died. You know, it was meant to be created for something working. Actually, it just became comical relief for all of my relatives for years to come. And I sure do miss that toolbox that I created. But the workmanship was so bad. And if you know anything about me, you know that anything related to using your hands, it's just going to be so bad. It's not that I'm lazy, it's that I'm incapable. I'm, a, I'm actually manually illiterate. I look like a builder and that's as far as it ever got. You've been fitted. You've been called to serve God's purpose in our generation and he's fitted you a certain way. His workmanship is good. And, and sometimes what one person has and what another person has you know, you can feel like you missed out, but no one missed out. The Bible actually goes on to say he did it perfectly as he saw fit, that you were fitted just the right way for just the right purpose in the body of Christ. If you if you saw my legs, I have the whitest legs in our church. I'm the guy who wears jeans on 40 degree days because my legs are so white. And 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 you know what? I'm not happy about my legs, but my legs are a beautiful No, they're not beautiful. They're a part of my body. They're strong. They're powerful, but they're not beautiful. And, but I'm fitted that way, and my legs matter. And if we lived in a country where everybody was as white as my legs, I might be a supermodel, but I'm not in Australia where we like brown. No, even then, I wouldn't be. Um, but God has just made you the right way. His workmanship is good. We've been called to serve His purpose. That's number number two, and His workmanship is good. Number three, God chose my calling, your calling, before we were born. Before we had breathed the breath, Galatians 1.15 in the NLT version says, It pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me, even before I was born. Huh. I, I want you to personalize that if you can today. It, it pleased God, the one who reigns over everything, in his kindness to choose you and call you even before you were born born and then it says what undeserved mercy that is God chose you we called you before you'd breathed the breath before anybody thought about you before anyone deliberately or accidentally had you God knew you God understood what he was calling you to God fitted you a certain way I can't explain all of it but we can explain that bit goes on, Isaiah 40 verse, 44 verse 2 says, I am your creator, you were in my care even before you were born. I don't begin to be able to explain that except that God knew who we were before we'd breathed the breath. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you, the Bible says. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. That is an incredible thought right there. I don't know what my parents' plans were, but before I was shaped in the womb... God knew all about me before I saw the light of day he had a holy plan for me and he did for you too. God chose our calling before we were born and the great thing we get to do with life is to bring that to the table. Number four, my sins and mistakes don't change my call. I love that about God. He never wastes anything. He fits it all into his plan when we turn to him in repentance and surrender and to do his will. He makes it all work. It it doesn't mean it doesn't change. Of course, it may have changed, but God never wastes anything. He fits it into his plan when we turn to him. Chuck Colson was one of the most powerful men in the world. Uh, He was uh, an advisor to the American president, um, Richard Nixon, at the time of Watergate. Um, Chuck Colson went to jail. And you know, when Chuck Colson went to jail, it looked lost but he became a Christian. He surrendered his life to Jesus. He started a thing called prison fellowship. To this day, it's in somewhere beyond 150 different countries around the world and multiplied prisons with thousands of people making decisions for Jesus. In the middle of Watergate, it probably looked like he wasted his life, but God wastes nothing. He takes everything. He he says, the call's still on your life. It's just going to look a little different than it probably was going to look before. God never wastes anything. He fits it all into his plan. Number five, our calling is permanent, kind of linked to what we just said. God's gifts and callings, the Bible says, are irrevocable. Number six, my calling is connected to others. And I think this is super important. You know, sometimes in Christian circles, people will talk about their calling, and the way they talk about their calling, you think they were called for them to be an absolute legend. But our calling is never about me being a legend. Your calling, our calling, it's about God, it's about his cause, it's about the people he loves. That sounds like a cliche, we've said it so many times, But it's so true, our calling is not about me. As long as it's about me and my gift and what God has given me, as long as it's about me, it's not really going anywhere. But when I understand that it's about, it's a gift from him, it's a gift for him, and it's a gift connected to others, for others in his purpose, there we find ourselves in a very powerful place when we take what God has graced and gifted us with and we put it into his service and to serve Jesus wholeheartedly with us. That has incredible power. As long as it's about me, it's not going very far beyond my human capability. But when I release it to God, who has created me for it, who has gifted me with it, who has wired me for purpose and called me to it, when we start to live in that space, something incredible, something supernatural can go on in our lives. The calling of God is connected to others. Listen to this, Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul again, I urge you to live a life worthy... Of the calling you have received. Now, there's a great question. There's a great inspiration. Oh Lord, help us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Paul goes on and says, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient. And then he says this bearing with one another in love. Oh, (laughs) bearing with one another in love. One of the challenges of a church as it grows is we can remove ourselves from having to bear with anybody because you can just shift circles. But actually, I would say if if I'm not bearing with someone, and I do with Dan and Jules regularly, Mikey Barlow, if I'm not bearing with anybody, I'm probably not connected in family. Because, because we will have to bear with one another. Some of you are saying, well, Darren, I'm bearing with you this morning. Good, that's good. <laughs> Following Jesus well, well done. It says, we're one body, one spirit, one hope we're called to. My calling is connected to others. And then the same passage, verse 11, goes on and says, so Jesus gave some, or Christ gave some, to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, pastors, teachers, evangelists, to equip the people of God for works of service. So he gave gifts so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up. That's what it's about. Not about me. It's about the body of Jesus, the people of Jesus being built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the measure of the fullness of Christ. That deserves more than my fast moving past it. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, the body of believers, joined and held together, I love this line, by every supporting ligament, by every little part Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work, as each part contributes to the whole. The call of God on your life and mine are to be connected in community. Number seven, God empowers what he calls me to. He does. God empowers what he calls me to and I can certainly say that I've seen him do that over the course of my halfway there life. God empowers what he calls us to. And then finally, number eight. Number eight, there's a prize for living out my calling. The Bible says this as I close today. For I'm already being poured poured out, Paul says, like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near, I want to be able to say these next words. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I love this about Paul, that he has in mind all of the time that he's running a race, being saved and called as he moves towards his home in eternity. Let's stand